simply call cross-reference. And we've been looking at the seven things that Jesus said while he was on the cross. So therefore, our witty little title, cross-references. And so we've been looking at those, and there's only seven of them. It's an eight-week series, and yes, we didn't make one up. We didn't write a new thing Jesus said. Uh, we kicked it off with making sure we set the paradigm of looking at it through the cross. So this week we're going to look at the truth that, that God's hands are strong. And we can trust our lives to him. If you've got your Uversion app open or your notes that we handed you on the way in, let's just go ahead and track along together. We've said this thing over and over and over again. <coughs> I'm a big fan of Pete and repeat. And you just keep bringing it. Amen. And the truth is, is the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. And you and I need to look at our relationship with God and factor in the resurrection. If we're not factoring it in, if we're not factoring it in as we're as we're reading the scriptures, if we're not looking at it and, and bringing the power of the resurrection into our relationship with God, we're missing out. We're going to end up with a wrong interpretation of the whole thing at the end. It changes everything. We've come back to this passage of scripture that, that Mike used for our communion piece, and it was it was perfect. And we've come back to this over and over and over again because Here's a couple of ladies, two of the Christ followers, that were there and followed Jesus. They were there, they saw the resurrection, saw the death, saw the burial, and now they're there at the grave. And they've been told something. They've been let in on it. You read through the Gospels, and it's amazing how many times Jesus point blank tells his disciples, I'm going to die. But I'm going to be risen again. I'm not going to stay dead. He tells them over and over and over again. And then when it comes time for him to die, they're all shocked. Like, why are you shocked? Well, then not only are they they shocked and died, but now they're just getting back into the routine. And, and these ladies have, have got together the rest of their stuff to prep Jesus' body. They've got their oils. They've got their spices. Everything was done in a rush to get him off the cross before the, the Sabbath began. <laughs> And so they just, they just rush through it. And now all that's over and they can go back and they, and they can do it right. And that's all they want to do is just kind of close this out and, and, and kind of get on to the next chapter. They're confused. They're hurt. And we pick up with them in Luke 24, verse 5. It says, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Folks, so many times if we're going to look for life in our life, we need to look for where the life is. So many times we, want, we keep going back to the old dead things, the stuff that brings death into our lives over and over again. That's how we get into this, these habits and these cycles. And somehow we're hoping it to, to work out a little different this time. How many of you sit there and watch your favorite movie? And there's this thing in you that it, you're watching it, and maybe it's maybe it's the old classic old yeller. And you're just hoping they don't have to kill him this time. <laughs> he dies every time. I cry every time. It's gut-wrenching every time. It's just terrible, but there's something in us that we go back to it and we're hoping. 
we keep looking for life where there isn't any. And we need to look to the source of life. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? <coughs> Remember how he told you while you were still, while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered. They remembered what he said. Now they're sitting there, there at an empty grave, remembering that he said, I'm going to rise again. My grave's going to be empty. And they have the aha moment. He was right. He was right. On the other side of the resurrection, things begin to click together for you and I. That's what we want to do. We want to look at what Jesus had to say because it has significant impact for us on the other side of the resurrection. As we're doing this knowing God better and trusting him more thing, we, we have this tension because trust always plus it puts us in a place of tension. You're sitting on a chair right now trusting for it to stay together, that its bolts, its components, all that kind of stuff are hold together. Most of you are probably not sitting there with burning thighs holding yourself up partially off of that chair. You're kind of rested. You're kind of relaxed. But guess what? Your body's not in tension, but now the chair is. There's, there's Now the tension has been, has been shifted. There's still tension there. That chair is, when you get up, it's going to close back up, more than likely, unless you got one of the broken ones. And so it's, it's going to, the tension's going to be released. And part of trust, there's always this, this pull. It's always there. And naturally, you and I, we don't, we don't like that. We, we, tend to, we tend to push against that. And we have this nature that we want to be in control. I get to be a part of a thing called chrysalis, which if, you, if you've ever heard of walk to Emmaus, um, then a chrysalis is a walk to Emmaus for teenagers. And I get to be on the clergy team for the boys' walk and the girls' walk this summer. And I just got to, to be a part of that. So we're all in the planning. We're getting our kids' camp ready, which is just about a month away. And that's awesome. So all the summer plans are rolling. And I can't think about summer and not think about my own youth camp experiences and all this fun stuff. One of the highlights was when we got to go to Colorado youth camp years and years ago when I was in high school, all those eons ago. And... We went and got to have a, a, a day trip and go have some fun. We got to do this thing I'd never heard of at the time. It's called Alpine Slides. And so you have these, these wonderful ski resorts that in the summertime, there's not much to do with them. So they figured out how to basically create a luge out of granite and create this thing that you ride these things down, these, these alpine slides down. You take the little ski lift up and you have this little cart that's pretty amazing and, and you got this joystick in the middle and you can push it forward and a, a grid of wheels comes down and you go super fast, you pull it backwards and this, this rubber braking grid comes down and you brake or it has these little hard plastic runners and you can go along and it has these great banks and just like you'd see like on any Olympic luge or bobsled type thing. And so, but at the top, they tell you, just <coughs> sit straight up. Don't move. Don't do anything. Just, just sit straight up. Stay in the middle and let it do its thing. Or you're going to flip. And then you're going to slide on rock with your bare skin. 
And so I wanted them in high school. I want to go fast. I want to do the cool stuff. And sure enough, I'm going along and take the first turn and, and you feel, the, feel the, the G's starting to pull a little bit. You're going up on the side. It's pretty cool. So I go a little faster. And then pretty soon I got the next turn. And man, everything says you kind of got to lean into it. Just, just lean a little bit. Just kind of help it. And man, sure enough, whoop, flip it. Well, then I slide. And slide, and slide, and slide, and slide on my skin, on Grant, and just strawberries just all over, and I just just taking the hide off, and um, you think that then I'd be done, and so then I decided, nope, I'm not this sucker again. That made me mad, and so I got up and rode it again, and this time I was like a little, little, little sad, little scared person. <laughs> There's so many things that just naturally go where somebody get offended. I'm just scared. Let's just say that. And so I was just scared. So I just barely going. Well, that, that was that wasn't even fun. So I, third time, last time, have to load the bench, get out of there. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do what they say, and we're just gonna see how this works. And so I did it. So I just boom, put it on where it goes as fast as we go, and then I just step there. And no matter what happened, I'm like, I'm not moving. I'm just going to sit in the middle. It was amazing. <laughs> it worked the way it was supposed to work. And I didn't get beat up or flipped or, or anything. It was absolutely amazing. But there were moments everything within me wanted to help, wanted to grab a hold, wanted to lean, wanted to do something. <clears throat> and all I needed to do was trust. Just let it do its thing. Folks, it is so many times you and I, we push against that. That's why our little thing, know God better and trust him more, sounds sweet, but it's not easy. And as your pastor, I get it. I get trusting God, it can be nerve-wracking. We feel like the guy who comes to Jesus and, and Jesus says, you know, your daughter will be healed, just believe. And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here, and, and Jesus didn't turn him away and say, get that unbelief out of here and come back when you got that in control. No, he didn't. He met him where he was, and his daughter got healed. So today, what we want to grab a hold of, we're going to walk out of here today with, is the truth that we can fully trust that God can hold on to us. We don't have to help. The stuff he says he's got, he's got. And so many times, our place, and we want to step in, and we want to take over, and we want to do all these things, and there's so many pieces of our lives God simply wants us to trust Him. There are places that we're to be stewards. There are places we're to step out and take action, but there are places in our lives we're simply supposed to trust Him. And I found that that is the harder piece. So many times, I'm like, God, just give me something to do. Tell me to do this. I'll, I'll take a step of faith, but the rest of faith, <laughs> it's hard. God, I want to feel like I'm contributing. I'm making it happen. I'm, I'm getting it done. But, man, there's so many times we just need to fully trust him. And we're going to look now at Luke chapter 23, verse 44. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until 3 in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. <coughs> It's pretty amazing in and of itself. It's 3 o'clock, it's, it's, it's bright, one of the hardest parts of the day. And it goes, it goes dark. 
And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. He breathed his last. His earthly body was done. He makes this incredible statement. Father, into your hands I trust. In fact, some translation says, into your hands I entrust my spirit. <coughs> I'm not struggling, I'm not fighting, I'm not pursuing, it's not all, I'm just, you've got me. You've got me. And here's this guy on the outside looking in. He's a centurion, he's a Roman, he's not a Jew, he doesn't know all the Jewish customs, he, he's got enough because he lives in the culture and that's his, that's his post, that's where he's been assigned. But he's not wrapped up all of it. And, and, and as he watches everything that Jesus has done, he's forgiven, he's watched all these different things, and as he simply declares, he's not cussing out all his executioners, he's not, he's not striving, he is relaxing and trusting. And this centurion, seeing what had happened, praised and said, surely this was a righteous man. Surely this man was, was righteous. This was a good man. And Mark actually says that the guy said, surely this is the son of God. And he recognized who he was in that moment. See, Jesus took his next step just like you and I do. Trusting. He showed us how to do it. Take our next step just like you and I. Simply trusting that the Father's going to do what he said he would do. He's already talked over and over again. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sinners. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to be raised again. Into your hands. I commit my spirit. So many times when we get ourselves in a tough spot, we want to take over and we want to handle it. My grandfather, my, my papa, he, he tells them, some great stories. He's just growing up on a farm and all sorts of stuff. And it's just, I, I, I love my papa. He's just a, he's just a great guy. My, my, my meemaw, she grew up on a farm as well, but they owned the farm. And my papa did not come from, from uh, a family that had land. So they were, they were pickers and they had to move around and went to where the work was. And so my papa's there and he, him and his, his dad and mom and everybody was just, they would go out and they would all be out there working in somebody's field picking or weeding or any of these different things. And the, it was the particular time of the year that they were paid to go out and, and pull a bunch of weeds. And so they had gone out. It was the early spring that had the, the snake hatch. So all the little rattlers were all around Lamisa, Texas, and, and everybody was conscious of it. But you still, you got to do your job. You know, you got to get out there. So he's a kid. He's, he's out there. And he's picking these weeds, and he remembers what kinds of weeds they were, and they were careless weeds, which it's a very common weed here out in West Texas, and they get big and kind of bushy, and you can't always see down inside of them. And so here as a kid, he reaches down and he gets inside of the, the weed and he grabs the stalk. And when he does, he happens to grab just right. 
he grabs a baby rattlesnake at the same time as he grabs a stalk, and the head is right there, and he has it. He can feel it squirming around in his hands, and I'm no rattlesnake expert by any means, but I've been told by multiple people that baby rattlesnakes are actually more dangerous than the, than the fuller, mature rattlesnakes because they don't control their venom. They'll just, when they bite, they'll just dump everything. They'll just have a flush and just dump all of it. And so maybe it looks little and cute, but it's more dangerous than this bigger rattlesnake that will actually control its, its venom release. And so here he's got this little thing by the, by the neck, and he knows they're lightning quick, knows they're going to strike, and he's just freaked out. He doesn't know what to do. He's stuck to the ground. He's stuck to the snake, and he just does the only thing he knows to do. He calls his dad. His dad comes over and sees his predicament, and he comes up with a plan. And he does not want to trust that as a kid, a scared kid, that my grandfather is going to respond in the right way quick enough. So what my great-grandfather does is he grabs a hold of him and grabs a hold of his torso. And he says, I'm going to hold you. And what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to move you and I can get you out of there faster than you can get yourself out of there. And so what I want to do is we're going to make a count and you're going to turn loose of that thing. And you're going to trust that I've got you. So they sit there, and he's crying and scared, and he has, he has all that going on. He knows he's got, they don't have, this is a long time ago, they don't have the emergency plans. They have all these things. I mean, this is, this is a deadly situation. And he makes the decision that his dad will hold him. So he sits there, and he lets go, and they do it just perfectly. And my grandfather moves him and chunks him whips him real fast and gets him away from the snake and all is all is fine. But with you and I, we have to we have those moments where there are times in our lives where there are things that are on the line and we desperately want to handle it ourselves and God says, let me hold you in this. Let me take care of this. Trust me. To sit there and to not move, to not want to jump away, to not do those different things, and to just let go. Let go of something dangerous, let go of something deadly, and trust that somebody else is going to intervene. I tell you what, that takes all of these, all of the, the trust we have in our lives. But see, the thing is that you and I, we can, we can live like Jesus did. And bake our lives on two solid truths. I want you to notice that when Jesus says into your hands, I commit my spirit, he says not Lord, God, Jehovah, great God, supreme. He says, Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. All of that stuff, everything his father had, had spoken all of their relationship is there, and he is fully resting in that. And I want you to walk out of here understanding this, that you have a father that loves you. I put your notes, and I wanted you to see it, and they're personalized. I have a father who loves me. I want you to read that. I have a father who loves me. See, Mark 1, 10, 11, <clears throat> just as Jesus was coming up out of the water of his baptism, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, 
You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus knew his father loved him. There was no doubt whatsoever. When we understand that, all of a sudden we can rest in that. And that takes our trust level to a whole new place. All human relationships are this thing where we have they build on love and trust, love and trust, love and trust. The more you can trust someone, the more you love someone. The more you love them, the more you feel like you can trust them. The more they're trustworthy, the more gratitude and love pours out of your heart naturally towards them. You pour out love and it's just this build, love and trust, love and trust, and they just play off of each other and he knew that his father loved him. We can bank on the same thing. We just go back to the scripture that if you can quote one, you know it, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, loved you, me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First John 4, there verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If God's going to be described by one thing, it's love. Is he righteous? Yes. Is he holy? Yes. Is he a lot of different things? Absolutely. But if you're going to pull it down to one thing, it's love. It is love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. <clears throat> this is love, not that we loved God. It's not that we're sitting here trying to reciprocate. God, I'm doing all the right stuff and I love you, I love you, I love you. I hope you love me too. It's not that way. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the next truth we can hang our lives on, and I personalize this one as well, that I have a father who can be trusted. We're so used to being let down. We're just so used to it. The world, each other, broken promises, all these different things were conditioned to not trust, but we have a father who can be trusted. Again, going back to that passage in Luke, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I entrust myself to you. In Acts chapter 7, we talked about this story already because we talked about it on when we forgave. And I love it that Stephen walked out so many different things that Jesus dealt with. Two of Jesus' seven cross-references we see lived out as Stephen is dealing with him being maliciously murdered for being a Christ follower. It says, and when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, this was what Stephen was saying, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
He just testified to what he saw, what he knew. At this, they covered their ears and they're yelling at the top of their voices and they all rush at him. They don't want to hear another thing he has to say and they're just screaming. They're just drowning him out and they've gone, they've gone crazy and they're just rushing at him and they drag him out of the city and they begin to stone him. They take rocks and kill him with rocks by chunking rocks at him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He stepped over the same way. He fully trusted. He trusted the same way. See, our entire lives, not just our final moment, but each piece of it can be lived trusting him. Trusting that he knew what he said he's going to do, that he is who he said he is. Trusting him, fully trusting him. It says, and then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Second Timothy 1.12. Paul, that guy named Saul, who was witnessing all of this, witnessing Stephen, making his approval to it, hearing what Stephen has said as he's echoing Jesus. Paul gets <coughs> converted. He, become, he writes the bulk of the New Testament, and he's writing to his closest disciple in 2 Timothy towards the end of his own life. And he writes there in Timothy 1.12, he says, I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I've trusted, and I am sure that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the very day of his return. His job was to take the gospel out to anyone who would listen to it. And here at the end of his life, he could feel really, really useless. He's under lock and key. He can't go anywhere. He's in prison. He's suffering in prison. It's like, I can't even go and tell anybody. But guess what? That whole time in prison, he writes. A big chunk of the New Testament, the prison epistles. And he's, his, that gospel went out to you and to me and to all the parts of the earth. His trust was well-founded. See, the bottom line is, is God's hands are strong enough to hold on to me forever. God's hands are strong enough to hold on to you. They are. The winds may blow. The storm may come. But he's overcoming. In our place, so many times is just the rest. I know it's not easy. It's not easy. But it is when we know we're loved and he's trustworthy. I don't know what you're going through this week. I don't know what you're going through in life. But most of us have some place that's disquieted. Some area of our life that's in an out-of-control spin, it feels like. Some place where we're wanting that place of peace. And this morning, I want you to just take a pause. Maybe this is the first time you've done it in a while. Just take a pause. And listen to the Holy Spirit as he brings instruction in your heart. Remind you of the scripture. Remind you that, that 
Heavenly Father is trustworthy. And allow this place of peace to be there and just rest in Him. Just rest in Him. John 10, 28 and 29 says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And you are secure. You are secure in Him. I want you to take that in for a minute. You're secure. Your relationship with God is secure. It's not based on you. Aren't you glad it's not based on you? It's based on Him. We're not trusting ourselves to try harder or to do better. We're trusting Him to be who He is. That's what this is about. See, folks, the resurrection, it really does change everything. It took all the other mess away. It's all dealt with, and now we're able to stand 100% right with God, not based on us, but based on what Jesus did. And have our faith 100% in the goodness of God. I want to create a moment right here and now where if you're on the outside looking in, maybe you've come for a while, maybe this is your first time, uh, it doesn't matter, but you've just kind of been struggling with this concept and kind of thought you had an idea of what being a Christian was and you didn't know if you were ready to do that, if you wanted to do that. But today you recognize and see that this thing isn't about all your efforts and all that you bring to the table. It's about what he does, what he's brought. It's about what he's done for you. And this morning if you recognize and see, God, I, I see it. I need a Savior. I need someone to trust. And I believe it's you. I believe you're the only one. I believe you're the one who came and took care of it all. That the cross finished it. And I believe that today. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand and acknowledge it. We're going to pray with you. Believers, I want you to just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you love me first. And because of that love, I say yes to you. I choose to trust you today. That you were in Christ, making things right between the two of us. All the sin is dealt with. Death has lost its state. And I'm your child because of what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. If you prayed that today, I want to encourage you to, to uh, get with our, uh, our prayer team. We have the Hernandezes over here. Uh, we have the Atkinses over here. And they have some resources that you might need and, and be able to give those to you. Um, I, if you need prayer for anything at all, we've got. they would love to pray with you. I want you to stand up as we go out of here. We will have our business meeting in just a little bit for those of you that are interested in that. So.
Heavenly Father, we're just thankful for you. We're thankful for all you've done, your goodness, your mercy. Heavenly Father, you're amazing. Lord, we're thankful that we can fully trust you. Lord, that we can we can relax when we've got ourselves, Lord, into masses. Lord, we look to you. Lord, we're thankful that it's you that carries us forward into blessing, into life, into hope. You are the source of life. Lord, and we choose to quit chasing our tails. We choose to walk away from the places of death in our lives and choose to look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thankful for your blessings. We go out of here encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day. If you're in school of ministry, we meet tonight.